Welcome back to Newsprint Commando, folks. This is continuing our Pacific Comics coverage with issue two of Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers. If you want to get in touch, you can tweet me at Teal Productions or News P Commando on Twitter. Teal is spelled T-E-A-L like the color. Teal Productions has a page on Facebook where I post the episodes. I am IndieMan at gmail.com. Indie is I-N-D-I-E for the email address comicbooknoise.com slash TNC. Tango November Charlie is the website. Just another fanboy.freeforums.net are the forums, so you can leave comments there if you'd like to. Now, this was on sale September 22nd, 1981, so this will be our coverage of the books published by Pacific Comics for September 1981. As I said, Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers, issue number two. This is scripted and penciled for us by Jack Kirby, inked and lettered by Mike Royer, and colored by Steve Olaf. Now, we have just a couple, handful more, three or four more names and, and concepts that are dropped in this issue after our initial issue. That really short uh, prelude postlude, whatever the little two or three pages at the end of the main story in the last issue were, kind of did get us started. It, it just jumped to where uh, Captain Victory was talking to a couple sheriff's deputies and uh, kind of filling them in really quickly, showing off the tiger dreadnought and whatnot. Well, this issue picks up directly after that. This is how the word will come to earth, simply put by a man of vast complexity who will stand among us and say, You've been hit by invaders from the stars. Don't reject the help of Captain Victory and his galactic rangers. Uh, interesting. That's what the uh, narrator is saying at the beginning uh, of the uh, story portion. But let's take a step back here to the cover. When its citizens suddenly vanish, a small town becomes Death Hive, USA, is what it says at the top of the book. In defense of our galaxy, Captain Victory and the Galactic Rangers, uh, still a buck. On the cover, Captain Victory is moving towards a rather uh, horrid-looking creature on a gurney here. The local law enforcement is saying, let's have it, spaceman. What is that, that thing? And Captain Victory is telling us the beginning of mass terror, Sheriff. Kirby and Thibodeau is who uh, penciled and... Penciled, inked, and colored. Is Thibodeau a colorist? I'm not sure. Let me look here and see what I can find quickly without inks. Thibodeau is the inker. Kirby drew it. Um, Steve Olaf perhaps inked this uh, cover, but Kirby and Thibodeau penciled and inked it. And apparently Thibodeau lettered it. So now on the inside front cover, we have another, what looks like it could be a cover picture. Perhaps this inside cover of this issue two will be the cover for issue three. I don't know. Uh, let's see here what I can... Nope, it's not the cover for issue three. But this image looks like it was something perhaps submitted by Kerber to be used as a cover. All right, now, the first story page. God almighty, mister, that's the biggest thing I've ever seen in the sky. And that's, that's not a euphemism. He's speaking about the spaceship. You belong to that giant Jim Crack. Correction, Sheriff, I command that Jim Crack. And in a manner of speaking, we're in the same business you're in, crossing the larger highways in hot pursuit of felons unknown here. And we see another uh, panel with the image of the tiger dreadnought floating above the men, probably just 
uh, I don't know, 25, 35 feet above them. So, I mean, it's real, real low. So they're going back and forth until finally um, the sheriff had indicated last issue that someone had been uh, shot and taken to the coroner's office. Now Captain Victory is asking that he be escorted there to see who or what this this creature is because it was indicated that it was like nothing anyone had ever seen before. So Captain Victory is assuming that it is part of the Insectons... Is that right? Insectons... Yeah, Insecton, um habitation that they're trying to... or infestation of the planet Earth here. So they run and jump into the sheriff's car and take off, leaving behind some insectons that are moving out from what we will come to find out is their, the beginnings of the hive that they have set up, a grotesquerie dug into the rocks here where they will be uh, e emitting, if you will, from or coming, coming out of. But as these insectons are trying to make their way to, um, I'm not sure, to just do whatever they want, they're, they're trying to do, whether it is to extend their hide or make it down to the nearby town, or we're, we're not really sure at this point what they're trying to do, but they're beset upon by a troop of the Galactic Rangers. And we see at least one, uh, let's see, we see two new characters uh, as part of this Galactic Ranger contingent that I don't believe we saw last issue. That is Orca and Terran. And as you surmised, Orca is kind of a fish, uh, sea creature type creature from Epsilon Iridani, it says. And Terran is a cat-like creature from Alpha Centauri. So those are a couple of our new members of the Galactic Rangers that are given voice and name. We're also told that this little thing that Captain Victory pulled out of his belt in the first issue, let me grab it real quick, it, it didn't necessarily at the time make sense, but now um, I believe, well, no, no, it's later on in this issue. Um, now it makes a little bit more sense in well, overall, but the way it was presented here, it, it didn't really. I'll, I'll get to that here in a moment. But it turns out to be another alien. At the introduction, I couldn't necessarily tell, but it is covered as an alien race or species, whichever, um, on, on the back cover, which is part of what's on the back cover. But returning to these rangers that assaulted this insecton uh, crew trying to, to move out and, and do their insecton thing, they are killed and before anything uh, can be done by the advancing forces to the bodies, uh, to, the, to the dead bodies, the bodies disappear. So they evaporate in, in smoke and ash, preventing their being used by the enemy for any type of uh, scientific exploration or, or anything like that. We follow Captain Victory into the morgue, and we see that what's on the table is, like I say, this just really bizarre-looking creature. And he proceeds to tell the Earth uh, people more of what is going on. And in the midst of his explanations, this creature also just uh, up and puffs in smoke. A uh, little, little confusing couple panels here. Jumping jackrabbits, what's next? exclaims the sheriff. And Captain Victory says, the lightning lady will run the hive and eventually your planet. And the sheriff draws his weapon on Captain Victory and says, I was wondering when you'd get around to that. Stay where you are. And then all of a sudden, which this makes sense because Victory explains it, the uh, sheriff's gun just 
starts falling apart. And Captain Victory tells him that's something, uh, as in the starship you saw, it's used to monitor and eliminate any threat to my life as the person in charge. Now, why the sheriff chose to draw down on him, I'm, I'm not completely sure. They were all standing looking at this alien and it disappeared. I, I'm not sure how Captain Victory could have had anything to do with that. But then he's telling them about what the lightning lady is going to do, and that is what seems to set the sheriff up. So I'm, I'm not sure what, uh, maybe I'm not supposed to be sure. Maybe there's no connection. It was just to be able to use this new ability that the uh, Dreadnought is showing in protecting Captain Victory. But now here's where it gets interesting. My code name is Captain Victory. I command the Starship Tiger of the Galactic Ranger Force, which I think he kind of told us before. And he reaches down to where his belt buckle is and pulls off this this little block. And on the side that we see is this weird uh, seed-looking thing with tendrils uh, growing across the little block. And he says, I am, I'm empowered to show you this. It's the most helpless form of thinking life in our galaxy. Like every ranger, Captain, I've sworn to protect it with my life from all harm. That's why the Galactic Rangers have come here to help you. So I guess what he's saying is the Galactic Rangers have sworn to protect this particular species. And the Insectons taking over other planets and using them to make other Insectons puts that species in danger? Uh, yeah, uh, I, that doesn't make sense. On the back cover, though, we're told that that is a lavaline, lavaline, L-O-V-A-L-E-E-N, lavaline. From Ursa Minor is simple, humble, the most beautiful spore in all of creation. Uh, yeah, things get kind of Kirby weird there. Our job is to find the Lightning Lady and stop the Insecton expansion. If we can't, your Earthmen are a doomed. You Earthmen are a doomed species. So that makes sense. If we don't stop them here on planet Earth, they will destroy your planet. Okay, that's cool. What that has to do with this spore thing, I I, I don't know. So we cut to the outskirts of Spartanville, which is the name of the little local town that they happened on to the Galactic Rangers. And we have a dude with a weird, like, looking bee helmet on and some other dudes that have helmets with weird antennae and stuff like that. They're all insectons. And I don't think this is their normal appendages or things. I think they're wearing armor that kind of makes them look unto insects because... What face we can see without the armor looks like just like reptilian, um, humanoid kind of features. But the armor uh, has all of these flanges and appendages on them that make them look more insectoid. The Lightning Lady is now the mind of the hive. She's taking command of us, uh, which we already knew. And she will, as she will all life on this planet. Do you hear this? We hear this and obey as one body. Uh, all of the insectons are doing this. Then let the mind and body grow until they gain complete dominion. Come forward with the absorber. There's no time to waste. So they bring out this big Kirby device and set it up. It's a couple piece here. They set the one piece on the other piece and ignite it. And a moment later, the bizarre machine erupts with strange pulsating waves that spread with sinister, sinister rapidity. The mind reaches for you out there. Come to the mind. Come to the mind. Uh, someone is saying, I guess almost like a chant, maybe multiple of them are saying it, but there's only one bird, word balloon. In macabre, spidery patterns, the waves expand into Spartanville and crawling with electronic life among the buildings and streets. It's these uh, electrical-looking tendrils, these energy tendrils that are moving out. 
The unsuspecting populace has little time to find anything amiss until the waves have saturated the town with their presence. We have several people looking out the windows of their building, and uh, an insecton is walking next panel. An insecton is walking among the people on the streets, and we see that uh, they seem stricken, but it's only the change. And one insecton says, are you ready to join us? Are you one with the mind? And all the people on the streets have these uh, real uh, glassy, glossy looking eyes. And they all say together, we are one with the mind. So this device has been used to mentally uh, subvert the wills of the people within range of the device and force them to do the bidding of the lightning lady. Uh, in lieu of, I guess, members of her own insecton race. They entrap and enslave the local population to do their bidding. Um, in addition, I guess, I mean, they'll, they'll start producing more insectons, as we have learned from the previous planet that they were chased off from. But right now, all of these human beings are, are being used as slave labor. As they're marching back towards the new entrance to the hive, one of the people kind of slips his programming and tries to run off, but he gets zapped with this machine that, like, I don't know, it doesn't kill him. Um, the waves are taking hold this time. He'll run no further. So maybe this machine is just a small localized uh, mind sap machine, and it, it takes their will until they succumb to the overriding waves of this other machine and, and fall in line and do the bidding. Keep moving drones, one of the insectons says. Uh, once they all go into the hive, which this entrance to the hive is this really gnarly, knobby, sharp-edged-looking rock entrance, like it's been cut out of crystal, and it's very it has very sharp facets in the rock rather than, you know, like a nice, smooth, rounded, domey kind of uh, entrance to a mine or something like we would have. They make this really artificial-looking, jaggedy-looking entrance. Come forth, Lady Lightning. The new drones have arrived. This is a welcome sight, she says, dropping down from above where, I don't know, maybe her chambers are. We can now expand the hive and strengthen it without fear of action by the rangers. They won't dare to threaten us while these hostages are in our hands. Uh, so there's another reason to use the local population is it prevents the authorities from doing anything because you have all these hostages, right? Uh, a la like a, a big bank robbery or a big mass hostage uh, situation. We'll have this world in our hands before our enemies decide to move, and when they do, it'll be too late. And she says, crack, crack, or emits this kind of energy, which she is her own energy-making machine, we found out last issue. So she's doing something, but this energy just seems to strengthen the hold that she has on the human beings and allows her to better um, control them and direct them, pick up the material and expand the hive, and they start working all these like Tetris or Jenga pieces that they're picking up and work and carrying them deeper into the hive to build with. We have a, let's see, I think I missed an, an ad page here early on. Let me flip back to it. Yeah, here's a full page ad for a subscription to Captain Victory. And I think that's it until now, which is a two-page spread right in the middle of the book that is the letters pages. Voices of Victory, and among these we have letters from Frank Brunner and Tom Brevoort, who spells his name B-R-E-V-O-U-R-T. Now, later on, doesn't he drop the U, and it's just V-O-R-T, Tom Brevoort, maybe? I don't know, but those are the two names of the names and the letters that I recognized. 
So now we cut back to Captain Victory uh, going out to the outskirts of Spartanville where the rest of his rangers are, this Clavis, Orca, and Terran, and they introduce themselves to the sheriff. And as they're doing this, they are close enough to the hive uh, entrance that it automatically attacks them, and it blows up the sheriff's vehicle and uh, starts dropping like, you know, uh, lightning bombs, uh, tendrils of energy at them until they have to back up and, and get back out of the near vicinity of the uh, hive entrance. But Captain Victory, at a signal, signals the tiger, who is floating just right there, so surprisingly it hasn't done anything until now since the entrance to the hive can be seen. Um, from the unseen dreadnought overhead, a beam charged with negative energy descends to encircle the hive. So to trap it at its present state, the, uh, they surround it with this beam of negative, or this, this nimbus of negative energy. And what that does is it's intended to hold everything there in and not let it leave to do any uh, mischief or anything like that. We find out exactly the consequences because some of the insectons send some of their enslaved humans up against the beam, and it just uh, rattles them around and then just juices them into nothingness. There's nothing left. And then seeing that that doesn't work, the insectons decide, well, you know, we're strong enough. We'll go up against the encircling energy here, the, the negative energy. And they do, and pile up wave after wave after wave at the uh, on the the boundary there basically throwing themselves against the energy barrier and they die and so they're just making a huge mass there at uh, up against the barrier which is important uh we'll see here in just a little bit yeah so we cut back to lightning lady and we have a full page spread of a bust of her her head and uh down down just below her bust she's holding up one of her hands, and they have some nice prickly nails on them, kind of unnatural looking. She's, I don't know, she she kind of strikes me as kind of a armored up, maybe Medusa from the Fantastic Four, if, if you guys are familiar with that. She's got big hair, and she's got this headdress that is holding the hair up uh, on her head, but it, it looks like it's hair rather than part of her outfit. Kind of hard to tell. Uh, it's a, a bodysuit that goes down just to the tops of her thighs like a uh, one-piece bathing suit would, and then her legs are bare. Her arms are um, armored up, uh, looks like. She's calling on her insecton army, which is more beetle-like insects that are being ridden by more upright um, humanoid-looking insects. So apparently even her insectons have different species, different races in them. Full page ad for Star Slayer, the log of the Jolly Roger, which is coming next month, it tells us. Full color, bi-monthly, exciting action. Subscribe. Nice full page of that character drawn by Mike, Mike Grell. Um, who but the Insectons can experiment with terror and use it in terms never dreamed of on other planets? Um, Lady Lightning says that she has gone... After she dispatched her forces, she went back inside... And she's telling us about uh, that she's been feeding this giant life cell daily bursts of potent energy. Within it, something is growing, something gigantic. It's the forerunner of a new type of insecton. If he meets our expectations when he hatches, we'll grow an army of his kind that should take care of resistance against our takeover. And it's this just, it's a big gnarly pupa we see. You can't really 
discern what it's going to be. Just you imagine that it's going to be some kind of giant grotesquerie knowing where it's coming from. Now, all of those bodies that have been building up against the negative energy barrier, when they all explode and disappear, as we already have found the insecton bodies do, that release of energy is enough to severely short out the negative energy. It's still there, but we find out from Captain Victory that it's much, much weaker than it normally would be. Thus, I guess it's going to allow the insectons to come out much more easily than it would have if it was full strength. Now, why they can't, you know, redouble the strength of the energy being fired from the, the tiger dreadnought or whatever, we don't know. It's not addressed here. But the Galactic Rangers now are kind of stationed outside this entrance to the hive waiting for something more to happen. And that's, that's where this issue ends. Follow the most spectacular saga ever written for comics, our narrator tells us. Next, a thousand secrets of the galaxy revealed. A thousand thrills when Earth battles its first intergalactic enemy. A thousand insights into the motivations of people not of our world. Look for encounters of a savage kind. Next page is a full-page distributor's ad, so you can find out where... Captain Victory and Star Slayer and all the other Pacific comics can be distributed from. Now, this isn't shops that carry them. This is distributors. Bud Plant, Pacific, Last Gasp. I recognize those. Alternate Reality, um, looking down through the list. Jeppy's Comic World. I recognize Forbidden Planet in New York. So I, I recognize all those names. Kitchen Sink. Several in Canada. The Silver Snail I recognize in Canada. I believe it's still open. Next page is another full-page ad coming next month for Star Slayer. Next is a full-page ad for Ms. Mystic from Neil Adams. Um, he will release two issues of these at Pacific before Pacific goes under, and he takes it over to his own imprint, um, Yeah, whose name escapes me. And then on the back inside cover is a Pacific Comics reader survey that you can uh, tell them who and what you are, what kind of things you like, and send it in so they have a better idea of their readers. And then on the back page is kind of a catch-up of the characters. Keep an eye on Captain Victory's backup crew. They are star creatures who will surprise and excite you. And this is where I got the information about Orca and Terran. We've already met Major Clavis and Mr. Mind, and then this interesting creature, um, Lavaline, whatever it's going to turn out to be. And so... That is the second issue of Captain Victory. Um, definitely, to my mind, it still has very, you know, Kirby-esque feelings to it as far as the writing. Uh, again, what of Kirby's writing I have been exposed to. Uh, certainly lots of Kirby machines. Uh, not really any Kirby dots, though. I haven't seen that really in either one of the issues. Maybe it's a, a technique that he's gotten away from, but... The weapons, the machines, the inside of spaceships, all of it still going very, very kerbally, uh, if I might. All right, guys, that's everything for me this episode. Next time out, looks like on my stack here, I have issue two of Red Fox from Harrier Comics to talk about next time. So I will do that then. Ciao.